There's a Gemara in Shabbos that is where the entire story and halachas of Hanukkah really are found. It's in Perak Memalikim. And there's something that's very important when you learn this, uh, this Perak, this Sugya of Hanukkah. There's two Gemaras that are back-to-back. And every single Mefarish Kemat has a, has a Pshat to explain why these two Gemaras go side, side by side. And the most Pashtunah reason is because it's said by the same Amira. Amr of Kana, Darash of Nasan, Bar Menyumi, Mishmeder of Tanchem. Ner Chanaka, Shehinicha, Lamail Measimama Psula, Kesuka, Okemavoy. If you put a Ner Chanaka higher than 20 Amas, it's possible. Just like we say that Tzachana, Sukkah is possible, and, uh, and, and the, uh, the bar over an Erev is possible if it's higher than, uh, than 20 Amis. That's the same exact din by Chanukah. It has to be lower than 20 Amis. You can't light a menorah that's higher than 20 Amis. And then the Gemara says, the Amr of Kana, Darash of Nasenbaum, and Yumim of Tanchem, same exact Amira. What does the Pasuk mean when it says in this past week's parasha, that the pit in which Yosef was thrown was empty. There was no water in the pit. Obviously, the Gemara says, if it says that the bar was rake, doesn't that go without saying that there was no water? And the Gemara famously says, there was no water in the pit. But there were indeed snakes and scorpions. And many, many pens have been broken to try to answer this exact question, what is the shaykhus? Why all of a sudden in the middle of the sugya of Hanukkah does the Gemara insert this seemingly unrelated Gemara about the bar being empty that Yosef was in there was no water in it, but there were snakes and scorpions. What in the world does that have to do with the sugya of Hanukkah? There's a Vilna Gain that's very famous on this as a Meshachachma, but tonight I want to I want to try to come up with our own unique answer. In last week's parsha, Parsha Vayeshev, there's a Pasuk that says that Yosef had dreams. We know that whole first part of the, the first Aliyah, the dreams of Yosef. How many dreams were there that Yosef had? So the simple pshat is there were two dreams. There was the dream about the stalks of wheat bowing down or the bundles of wheat bowing down to Yosef or the, 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 um, the bundle that represented Yosef. And then there was a, another dream about the sun and the moon and the stars bowing down to Yosef those are the two dreams. And, of course, the brothers got enraged and jealous and angry at how could Yosef uh, say such dreams, have such dreams, relay such dreams. But before all these dreams begin, there's an interesting pasuk. It says, Vayachalam Yosef chalaim, Yosef dreamt a dream. Vayagid la'echav. And he told this dream over to his brothers. And they hated him even more. And then the Pasuk says after that, and he dreamt, and he had the alum, alum and 
you know, and all the, the, those two dreams, but it seems that there was a third dream, or really a first dream, before those two dreams about the stalks and about the sun and the moon bowing down to Yosef. What's going on here? Why does the Pasuk seem to be saying another dream introducing? It doesn't say what it was. It doesn't say what the brother's reaction was, other than that they just, they hated him, but he, they didn't answer anything to this dream. But it's like a mysterious thing that it seems that there's a first dream before these other two dreams. I think we're all familiar with the Bartanura, the Rav, Reish Ayin Beis. He's one of the if not the most famous commentator on Mishnayis. If you learn Mishnayis uh, inside in a Yachan Avayas Mishnayis, you're always going to come across the Rav. Now, less famous perhaps is the fact that the Bartanura did not only write a Pirish on Mishnayis, he wrote a Pirish on Chumash. And in case that's a Chiddush to you, you shouldn't feel too bad because it was a Chiddush to me also. I only recently discovered it, but there is absolute gems in this parish of the Bartanur, and I want to share one of them with you tonight on this Pasuk. He says that there was actually a first dream that nobody else knows about. It's a mysterious dream that Yosef had, but we don't know, or the Pasuk doesn't say what it is because it wasn't really something that the brothers had, a re- had an answer to. It wasn't such a, a dream that, that really provoked them or, or created a visceral reaction by them. So the Pasuk doesn't say the specifics like it does with the other two dreams. But the Bartanura gives us a very secret understanding of this Pasuk, and he says that we know later on after Yaakov dies at the end of Sefer Bereshis, the brothers got nervous that now is the time for comeuppance. Now is the time that Yosef is going to get back at them. Maybe he'll kill them. Maybe he'll uh, torture them. He'll enslave them. And Yosef says to them, and Rashi brings it, and the Gemara and Megillah brings it, that if ten candles are not able to extinguish one candle, so then how could one candle extinguish ten candles? Now, Yosef was saying it then as a way of being Matthias' brothers, as making them calm down, don't be nervous, relax, everything's going to be fine. You tried to put me out. You ten candles tried to extinguish me, and you were unsuccessful. So I can't extinguish you either. It's impossible. If, if ten candles can't put out one candle, one candle, me, can't put out all of you. Says the Bartanur, listen to this Bartanur, he says, that was the dream. The first dream that Yosef dreamt, that the Pasuk doesn't tell us, but we're being Megala this mystery tonight, is the fact that Yosef had this dream and he told his brothers, once upon a time there were ten candles and ten candles tried to put out one candle and they couldn't. That was the whole first dream. The, the brothers didn't know exactly what to do. Obviously ten is probably us trying to extinguish him. All right, he's, he's maybe right. But they didn't, uh, they didn't react. They just hated him. They just hated him like sinas chinam. It didn't matter to them. And that's all... That's all that. That was the first dream. It doesn't say it in the Pasuk, but that's the first dream, says the, the, the Bartanura. And he says that the dream was Niskayim, just like the other two dreams were, were going to be Mekoyim later when the brothers came down and bowed down to Yosef, and then eventually Yaakovina would come down and also bow down to Yosef. Those second two dreams were fulfilled, but the first dream was also fulfilled. When? Says the Bartanura that first dream was fulfilled in the pit. When they tried to throw Yosef into the pit, that was 
the ultimate attempt for the ten candles to extinguish, to snuff out the light of Yosef. They wanted to kill him. They threw him into a, into a snake and scorpion fit pit, full pit. And from that, they tried to kill him. And they couldn't. Eventually, because of Ashkacha Pratis, there were Yishmaelim that came and, and they decided to pull him out and sell him. Mabetza, why shouldn't we make some money on the deal? Kinim Karno, they sold him for some shoes, sold him for some money. Hashkacha had it that he actually got out of the pit, Trias HaMesim Mamish, and he was sold down to Egypt to Paitifar, Sarah Tabachim. That was the Kiyom, says the Bartanura, of that dream. That first dream the Yosef had in the pit, they tried to snuff him out, and they couldn't. What I was thinking to say is, based on this Bartanura, maybe that's the Hemshech of the Gemara. The Gemara is telling us something. The Gemara is telling us that a Ner Chanukah has to be visible. You have to be able to see the Neiras, to be Mepharsim the Neis. You know what the Neis is? What's the Neis that we're celebrating here on Chanukah? The Neis is the Neis of the brothers trying to throw Yosef into the pit. The brothers try to completely snuff out Yosef, kill him, destroy him. And they weren't able to. It was Rabbim Biad Ma'atim. It was many people trying to destroy Yosef. They couldn't. That's the piercing of Ner Chanukah that has to be Lamata Mechaf The whole world has to be able to see that you can't destroy a Yid. A Yid is indestructible. A Yid can never be snuffed out. A Yid can never be extinguished. The flame that we are, the Nishmas Alekim that represents the Yid, and that the Yid represents is something that you can never, ever put out. When we light our candles, it's a ner ishu beisai. It's a single candle. We light our minigas to light, like Basil, another candle every night. But you know, the basic minig, the basic mitzvah is ner ishu beisai. You need one candle, just a single candle. That's it, you yaitzai. You have one candle every night, you're good. You're not yet to the Mahadrim and a Mahadrim, and you should absolutely do more. But one candle is missing. You know why? Because it represents the fact that you can never, ever, ever extinguish a Yid. A Yid is never able to be put out. That's the Hemshech and the Gemara. You know why you need a piercing of Ner Chanukah? Because that is the point of Chanukah. Chanukah is the Neri Shubesai, the one candle like Yaisei. People tried to destroy him, to kill him, to get rid of him. And then throughout history, other people always tried to extinguish the Yid, whether it was Haman or whether it was, uh, whether it was during the time of Tachvatat, uh, whether it's time of Spanish Inquisition, whether it's the time of the Holocaust. You go through history, or in Eretz Yisrael today with the Arabs, they try and they try and they try. They're very clever and they're strong and they're smart and they're powerful and they're devious. But they're never able and they never will be able to extinguish the flame that's a Yid. Now, Mida Taiva is Meruba Mimida Paranius. Whatever we see on the bad side, you should understand that there's something much more powerful always in the positive. If it's true that we can never be extinguished, 
that nobody could ever come and destroy us, can put out our fire, never. That means that we individually have the ability to light up the world. If nobody could put us out, that means we're stronger than the world. We have the ability to be an Arla guy and we can single-handedly illuminate the world. And guess what we do? We are an Arla Gayim. Klal Yisrael has always been the light of the Gayim, the light to all the nations. We're the conscience of the world, to borrow a phrase from Hitler, Yemachshemai. The Jews are the conscience of the world. That's a compliment. He didn't mean to give it to us as a compliment. But it's the ultimate compliment. We are the ones that brought decency to the world, morality to the world, chesed to the world, emunah to the world, the rabbinic shalom to the world. That's Klal Yisrael. That's what we are. We light up the world. The whole world is lit from a yid, from a single yid. I was looking through some breast of a tyra, and he has one beautiful vart. Rav Nachman Breslov has one beautiful vart. It's really, I think it's more of a whole piece, but if I understood it correctly, I think this is what he's trying to say. There's a mitzvah to be mad like a house, neri shubesa. You have to light, your, light the house. You have to light a menorah in every house. If you live in a house, it has to be lit. It's their issue based, then in the bias. Now, every yid is a bias also. Every year, we're, we're, we're all walking bottom. We're all, we're all homes in a way. We all house in a shama. On Hanukkah, the Rabbi Shalom comes and he lights us up. He lights us up. If we're in touch with what Hanukkah is, a yid feels a special kedusha. Now, it's hard because there are so many competing things that are, are taking us away from that kedusha. The real tzaddikim are able to feel a special R of Hanukkah. They're, and you could see the R in their face because the Rabbi Nishlam comes and he performs the mitzvah lakas neiris on us. Kiva ar panecha nasata lana Hashem lekecha. Through the Torah, through Chesed, Hakadosh Baruch Hu illuminates a yid, especially on the Yantiv of Chanukah. And the Rebbeinu Shleilam, as always, wants us to be Valachta Bedrachav. He wants us to follow him. He wants us also to go and to light up other people. Yavan is represents Chayshech, Chayshech zu Yavon. This is the darkest time of the year. It, it gets dark so early. And it gets really, really uh, gloomy and doomy. And like, you know, it's, it's, it's a very hard time to, to be yourself. In the, in, the, in the springtime, everybody's out. They're, they're running, they're jumping, they're happy. The, the sun is out and the, the, the birds and everything is nice. But this time of year, everything is dying. And it's a little bit sad, it's depressing. And it's a time that people need, they need a little bit of light. They need a little bit of iskalos of ar. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives it to us and we're supposed to give it to others. Where do I know this from? I know it from Yosef. 
Yosef HaTzadik, you know how his turnabout came? You know when he turned himself around? You know when the entire story of him from the pit, and then he still remained in the pit, in the pit of Mitzrayim, it says, Vayigalach Minabar. He was in prison, it was also a pit. He didn't leave, leave that pit for 10, 12 years. You know when he left the pit, when he was able to get out of it? The first step was, he went over, he saw his fellow cellmates, and they were all, they, had, they were nervous, they had these terrible dreams, the Saramashkim and Saraifim, and what does he say to them? He says to them, Alashanov, Madua, Panecha, Roim, Hayaim. Madua, Panechem, Ram, Hayaim. Why is it that your faces are bad? Why don't you have a nice smile on? It bothered Yosef. Now, most people, if you're in jail, you don't even, you're not supposed to, they tell you don't even look at anyone else in jail, right? You're not supposed to look at them. You look at them, it's not good. Yosef went over to them and he says, Why is it that your face is so bad? Why is it gloomy? In other words, Yosef noticed when people were dark, Yosef noticed when people were depressed. Yosef noticed when people needed chizuk. And he went over to them and he said to them, what can I do for you? How can I help you? What's missing in your life? And I'm here to, to fill it. And they told him about the dreams. And he says, I'll, he says, he says tell me please about your dreams because I want to help you. He was such a, a good person, Yosef. He was such a tzaddik that he actually wanted, he cared about somebody else, he wanted to light them up. That's why Yosef symbolizes Hanukkah, that's why it's always Parshas Miketz, these Parshas is always Shabbos, Hanukkah, Kimat, because, because Yosef is Hanukkah, Yosef is the ability to be mayor somebody else's face. You see somebody sad, you don't ignore them. You don't say, well, you know what, they have to deal with it. You know, maybe, uh, you know, let them see some professional help. You're the professional. You have to go over to them and you have to help them. You have to make them smile. You have to give them chizuk. You have to cheer them up. Yosef started his aliyah from the moment that he noticed his cellmates and he said, let me help you. And that's when everything turned around. Obviously, it was an extra two years before he was actually mentioned to power. But the turning point was the moment that he noticed that he could light somebody else up. He could illuminate somebody. He could change their world. I recently was sent an email by uh, a Talmud of mine who asked me if I had seen a story that appeared in a, uh, a certain publication about my great-great-grandfather, the Wurzberger Rav. The Wurzberger Rav, was, his name was Rabbi Yitzchak Daiv Halevi Bamberger. My Yitzi is named after him. And um, he was the Gadol Adar in Germany in the 1800s, from 1807 to 1878. He was a Paisik, and he was uh, a huge Talmud Chacham, and he was, uh, and there are many stories of his Tzitkas as well. But 
this Talmud sent me a story that I never saw it before. It's quoted by Rabbi Yitzchak Zilberstein, who is the son-in-law of Rabbi Yashiv. He is the one that writes all these many, many svarim. And a, a Talmud Chacham told him a story, and it involves my great-great-grandfather. I never, you know, I've lived many, many years, and I've never, uh, my father was an expert in the words of and he put out many svarim of his, and I've never seen this story, and it was, uh, it blew me away. So there was a, there was a young man who, uh, who lived in Germany, and he sort of went off the derech. People think that, you know, going off the derech OTD is something that just happened, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago. But the truth is that it happened, it was happening many, many centuries already, unfortunately, Rahman al-Islam, between Naskala and, uh, and, and all the movements and uh, different people and different ruchais, different spirits, spirit zeitgeist swept people away, away from the derech atayra. I was just uh, listening to one of the speakers at the Agudah Convention, I think it was uh, Rabbi Waxman, and he mentioned a story about the Chavetz Chaim that he heard him once say about a Yid, not Rabbi Waxman, he, somebody was saying over the story about that he was by the Chavetz Chaim once, and he said about a Yid, Yimach Shemai. So the person that was sitting there said, how could the Chavetz Chaim say Yimach Shemai? He says, somebody said, he never says Yimach Shemai about a Yid, except this one person. Why? What was this one person? He says, this person was a, uh, a maskil, somebody that was part of the Enlightenment movement. And when the Chavetz Chaim was young, he was an orphan. And he was very smart. And a lot of the maskilim always liked smart kids. They wanted to take those smart kids and make them part of their movement and uh, enlighten them and, and try to be mashpi on them. So there was, there was a maskil in the shul and he was trying to endear himself to the young Yisrael Mayor Kagan, the future Chavetz Chaim, and he was actually being mushpa. He was actually, you know, getting close to them. He was schmoozing them. They were talking and, and maybe talking and learning. And it was, it was having a, a reishim on him. And there was a, a very simple man in Shul. He was like a balagol, I think. He was a wagon driver. But he was like watching from a distance. He was an Erlich Yid. And he, he saw what was happening. He saw this very bright, futured young man is being almost swept away to the Askala. You can imagine if we would have lost the Chavitz Chaim to Askala. We wouldn't have a Mishnah Burra today. We wouldn't have Shemir Salash today. We wouldn't have half of the Kedusha in the world that we have today because of that one man. But the Chavitz Chaim was getting swept. This, this Balagala calls him over. He says, listen. He says, I want to tell you something. You have to get out of this shul and you have to get out of this town. It's not safe for you here. You must just run away. And the Chavetz Chaim listened to him and he was forever grateful to that Yid. And the other Yid that people knew about, he was like a well-known maskil. That was the only person the Chavetz Chaim used to say Yemach Shemay about because these, those maskilim were so deadly and they were so, they, they were so poisonous and venomous that uh, they literally could have sapped away the entire Ruchnius of the Chavetz Chaim and with it, the Ruchnius of the world. So this boy who lived in Germany, getting back to the other story, he was, um, he was very mushba from the, from the Askala movement.
and his parents were very upset with him. His parents were from, and he, uh, and basically he, he was he was within centimeters of of leaving the fold. And years passed, and he he knew when his uh, a certain yard site. By the way, today is my, uh, my grandmother's yard site. Tonight is my grandmother's yard site. Fatka Bas from Nachem. So uh, this, uh, all the, the, this iris and the, the ashba should be in her, in her merit. She was a wonderful, wonderful uh, woman at Sadekas. And it's my mother's mother. And uh, tonight, as I said, is her yard site. So he had yard site. He had to go to a shul to say Kaddish. That much he still had in him. And of all shuls in the world to go to, he went to the Würzburger of Shul. He was in Germany, he was passing through Würzburg. He just wanted to basically go in and go out. He wanted to get his Kaddish in and then run out and then never see a Shul until next year's Kaddish. And he came in, it was Mincha time. He came in, he said Kaddish. And then he was about to walk out and he bumps into the Würzburger of. The Wurzburg you know, was passing by at the back of Shul just when he was trying to make a beeline to the door, and he stops him. And he gives them a huge smile, and a huge shalom aleichem. And he starts making conversation with him. How are you? Where are you from? Tell me your story. Tell me a little bit about yourself. And he was on... He was, he was unloading on the, on the Wurzburg of all of his angst, all of his reasons that he left the fold and, and his, his emotional uh, baggage that came along with leaving the fold and the Chavetz, and the Wurtzvigarov gave him so much time and so much love and he was Makarivim. And as a result of that, one encounter with, with, with Wurtzvigarov, he decided to come back to the fold and he married and he had a family and today, this is what Oliver Zilverstein said, Today he has over 5,000 descendants. You know, it's within 100 years. They know all of the descendants of this man. He became a Tamar Chacham. 5,000 descendants, all of them are Shemr Tyre Mitzvahs, all from a single smile. All from a single smile. That's the power of a smile. That's a power of being able to go over to somebody else and saying to them, Madua. What's up with you? Tell me what's wrong. I'm here to help you. I'm Hatzala of helping another Yid. I want to light you up. I want to be able to illuminate you. I want to give you a... a, a I want to give you the light of my face. I want to make sure that you shine. That's the Kayach. That's the Kayach of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a time that we think about making other Yidin shine. About going over to somebody else that needs chizuk, and everybody needs chizuk. Don't kid yourself. Somebody called me this morning, somebody whose son goes to yeshiva here, and uh, he said to me, he says, just maybe give my son a little chizuk. He said, you know, he just, you know, he needs a little bit of extra TLC. I said, we all do. We all need TLC. Every, every one of us needs TLC. And you don't have to be a professional. You don't have to be a rebbe. You don't have to be a mashkiach. You don't have to be a kailal guy to give it. It, it, it could come from one, and a, one another. If this is our mission in life, 
to be an R la Goyim, but not just to the Goyim at large, but to be an R for every individual Yid, to go over to somebody else. When you see somebody else that's having a tzara, that's having a problem, and you go over to them and you say to them, Madua Pnechem Ram Hayyim, what's wrong? That's the beginning of a turnaround in your life and in the recipient's life. Revolvi, in his Alishur, in the first Chalak of Alishur, he says something amazing. I'm going to read it to you. Just a short paragraph. He says about the power of giving a smile. He says somebody has to be a radiating sun in which the recipient can bask. Even a little infant, he writes, is perceptive enough to distinguish between a smile and a frown. If he is looked at with an angry face, he immediately bursts into tears. If he is looked at with a facial expression of love, his face lights up and he smiles back. Who knows which contributes to the development of the child more, the food given to the child or the radiant smile showered upon him? Just as a plant cannot grow without sunshine, so does a child who is not provided with the sunshine of a smile will, emotion, will wilt emotionally and cannot be healthy. Do we understand what he means? Just like we need food, not just the child, we're all children. We need food, but we also need sunshine. The sunshine is we need somebody to smile at us. There are people, believe it or not, that have walked this earth, and they might be in this very room, and nobody has ever given them a smile. Nobody has ever given them a kiss. Nobody has ever given them a hug, and nobody has ever told them that I'm proud of you. Is that the saddest thing in the world? I was once in a yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, and I was speaking privately with the Rashiva, and in the middle of our conversation, it was during first Seder in the base Medrash, there was a boy, there was, I don't even think he knocked. I'm not sure, but I don't think he knocked. He comes into this Rashiva's office, the Rashiva stands up, he gives him a hug, and then the boy smiles, and he walks out of the room back to the base medrash. So I said, that's so interesting. Tell me a little bit about what, what, just, what I just saw. What, what did I witness? I knew that there was something special there. He said, this boy comes from a very affluent home in a, an extremely affluent community. And he has an older brother, and the older brother is the, the sun, the moon, and the stars in his parents' eyes. He's the, he's the, you know, he's the Yasef in, in, his, in his parents' eyes. And, and this younger brother is the, like, Yitzchak of the family. He's like the, the not successful kid. Not that he's a bad kid, he's a very good kid. But the parents just, they put all of their love and all their focus and all their attention and all their accolades on that 
older child, and this younger child came to Yeshiva, and I saw that he was Shivrei Kalim. He was a broken vessel. He was, he was a broken human being. And so I spoke to him, of course, and I was schmoozing with him, and it came out. He told me this. He said, my parents never hugged me. They never say, I love you. They never give me any attention. They don't think I could tell them that I did a, a big accomplishment. They could care less. So I told him, every day we're going to have hug Yaimi. Every single day you're going to come to my office, I'm going to give you a hug, and then you're going to go back to the base matters, and you're going to feel like a million bucks. And he was so happy. And that's exactly what we do. Every day he comes into my office, I give him a hug, something that he never had in his life. Give him a smile. Make him smile. And he's turning around. He's developing. He was wilting. He was dying. He had nice clothing, nice sneakers, nice watch, wealthy background, fancy uh, linen on his bed, but he was a shivrei kalim. But you could be mechayim mesim. You could bring people back to life with a smile, with a hug. You go over to somebody that you see needs it, and you don't understand. I don't understand. We all don't. You could, with mamish, you could be kind of somebody with a smile. You could change the person's life today and his tomorrow. And he could get married. He could have a family. He can get a job. He could be normal. Because you said to him, Madua, Pnechem Ramayam, you don't look so good today. Tell me what's going on with you. Give him a good morning. Give him a Shalom Aleichem. Say good Shabbos. If he's sitting alone by a dining room table, whether it's on Shabbos, whether it's by supper, whether it's by breakfast, you, pull, you take your cereal bowl right next to him and you sit next to him and you schmooze on him. That's Hanukkah. I'm sorry. That's Hanukkah. If we walk away from Hanukkah without understanding that this light is us and nobody could ever put out our light, and we have to be mefarsim that nace. Everybody's tried. Nations, empires have tried to extinguish that little yid, and they're not able to. It's the greatest miracle of all, Rabbi Yaakov Emden writes. He says, in my mind, it's a greater miracle than, the, than Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and Matan Taira and Kriyas Yamsov and all the great miracles that we have throughout history. You could stack them up on one side of a scale, and then you put the miracle, the fact that throughout the this long and bitter gullus, the yid still remains, and the yid never breaks. That's a bigger miracle. That will tip the other side of the scale any day. That's a miracle. The miracle of Hanukkah is that we're here. We're here. Has given us life. He sustained us. He allows us to continue. Now, like then. And well, if you come back in a hundred years, in a thousand years, there will still be a year. There will still be Klal Yisrael. That's part of the, the DNA of the world. It has to be that way. But by the same token that nobody can snuff at our candle, it's our job to light up other candles. We're being Madlik Neiris. Being Madlik Neris is not just a candle that you bought in a supermarket. Being Madlik Neris means I have to light up your neshama. 
Nera Kim Nishmas Adam. Every person's neshama is a candle also. And it's my job to try as best as I can to be mayor of the world, to be mayor of the world that we're living in. I'm not talking about going out. I'm saying in this room, in our yeshiva, there's so many opportunities to do chesed. You don't need to join Atzala. You don't have to join Chaverim. You don't have to join Miss Askim. You don't have to join any of these things. You could just do Hatzala here. We need it inside. We all need TLC. We all need love. We all need attention. And what we really need, Rabbi saying, I want you to listen to me very, very well. We need to be a Chabura Achas. A Chabura Achas. I always say that I wish we were like a camp. I was, an Yish- I was a rabbi in Yeshua. Before I came here, I was a rabbi, in a, a 12th grade rabbi in a very, very it's an amazing yeshiva in Brooklyn. And the, the great part about that yeshiva was that it was an in-town yeshiva. The boys slept at home, but it had an out-of-town feel. And the boys were like, um, they, it was like a camp feel, if you know what I'm talking about. Like, if you, if you watch camp videos, or I'm sure for those of you that went to sleepaway camp, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But in camp, there's a certain achdus. Of course, there's color war, and there's Olympics, and there's, you know, sings, and there's uh, all types of activities that, that, that breed that achdus. But there's a, an unmistakable bond that's created in, in camp. So much so that my son, who used to go to a certain sleepaway camp that specialized in this type of feel, he would show me the video of uh, the last day of camp and how the guys did not want to get back on the bus to go home. They were crying. These are, these are grown young men. These are not babies. They were crying, and the night before they had a banquet, and they, they mamish did not want camp to end, and they, because now everyone's going to disperse all over the country in different yeshivas and whatever. They weren't going to see each other for a long time. And it was like, no, we want to keep this together. And in the yeshiva that I was in, in before here, it was like that, even though it was the yeshiva. You can't say, well, okay, Rebbe, you know, you can't, it's apples and oranges. It, it, you know, it was, a, it was a yeshiva. It wasn't a camp, but everybody loved being there. And they, they loved each other. They had a, there was a special bond. And I went to a, a high school that was like that also. Maybe you did as well. Or maybe in Eretz Yisrael, you know, in Eretz Yisrael, they do a very good job of breeding a certain achdos and a, a spirit, uh, an esprit de corps that, you know, this is our yeshiva. This is ours. We have to light up the yeshiva. We have to light up the yeshiva. And that has to be done from, from the grassroots. And I gave a schmooze about this maybe a month and a half ago. And I, I know that, you know, it made somewhat of a reishim on guys, but I don't know if everybody was there or if it... And, and chazara is very important. We need to make this yeshiva into a home. It's a wonderful place, this yeshiva, and it has the best guys in the world, and it has the best rebbeim in the world, and it has the best campus in the world. We have everything going for us. We're just missing one thing. 
And that's a certain feel of community, a certain feel of achdus. And when I say achdus, I mean that to be able to want to be here, let's say on a Shabbos, not, not every Shabbos, but like, but why can't, not just, and I'm not talking about the in Shabbos when we have acrobats and we have mentalists and we have, uh, you know, uh, you know chaz, world-renowned chazanim coming. I'm talking about a regular Shabbos. I'm talking about a regular Shabbos. Imagine, just use your brain a second, just use your imagination a second, and just picture this. Picture that the entire yeshiva, everybody in this room, which is, I think, pretty much the yeshiva, as far as I'm concerned, the entire yeshiva stays for Shabbos. I know that's a bad week to talk about it because it's an, an off Shabbos. But let's say the week after this Shabbos. We have a, we have a whole week and a half to really to be, to be mechen for this. It's a big mitzvah here. Imagine if we would not have to come because the mashkiach is putting a gun to our head to come. He's, he's guilting us into coming. But imagine if we're actually coming because we want to come. Because my friends are here. Because this is where I belong. I don't belong running away to, to other yeshivas. And this place is amazing. That place is amazing. Isn't it? What about here? I mean, Laman Hashem, don't you want that? Isn't that what we all want? Don't we want that community? Don't we want that society? Don't we want a chabura achas? Don't we want to like really make something greater than when we first came? Now, you can go and run to other yeshivas that already have this, okay? And, and completely, you know, and, and go into a made bed. That's fine. But we have every single element. I don't see anything that we're missing except the willingness and the ability to open our eyes and see that we have everything that we need, except we have to just come together and do it. We're working on different designs and plans, you know, in the higher-ups to try to make things more, you know, full the schedules and, and make it more geschmack and, and But... Forget all that. Forget all that. It has to come from within. There has to be a, 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 like a, a resolve from, from you. I'm talking to each and every one. I'm not talking to the guy next to you. I'm talking to you. Every single person in this room, not because I'm guilting you, but you should want it. You should want to light up yourself and, and, and the yeshiva and, and your chavrusas and your chabura and, and the guys that, and, and bring it all together so that we could like mamish become a yeshiva. I hope I'm, I'm, I'm coming across clearly. I don't mean to criticize anything. I, I think that, you know, if we go this way as, as is, it's fine. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll last a hundred years maybe. But... Let's, why not? Why can't we light up the issue? Why can't we lift, can, can we like lift a candle, like make it higher, make the flame grow, make the yeshiva into a yeshiva? I told this story a million times and I apologize for saying it a million and one. But my most memorable experience when I was a bacher was that it was a Friday night in the winter and it was those beautiful Friday nights that you only get this time of year. That means that you, Shabbos starts at, whatever, 4.15. By the time you go upstairs to eat, it's uh, maybe 5.15, 5.30. You come down to the base Medrash, it's 
6.30, 7. You have from 7 o'clock to whenever you want to learn. Or if you want, you can make a kumzitz. Or if you want, you can uh, say a chabura. Those are the most precious hours of life. You will never get those again. I'm telling you, you will never get those again. And I remember so clearly, it was, I think I was in, a, in 10th or 11th grade, and all the lights went out in the base manager. Was a, they gave cholent out at 10 o'clock at night. That was a big deal. And so we had our cholent in a styrofoam bowl, and most guys, after 10 o'clock, went back to the dorm. But the people that stayed a little later, we, we went back to the base matters and we were learning more. And then at like maybe 1 o'clock in the morning, all the lights for some reason went out. Uh, somebody misset the, the Shabbos clock. And they went out, and we were like, whoa, well, we're in the middle of learning a Tysis. We can't stop here. And a whole, there was a, like maybe 10 of us left in the base matters. And we noticed that the menorah in the front of the base medrash, there, there was a menorah with the, the flickering electric bulbs, if you know what I'm talking about, like the old shuls had them. And so we just all like magnetically, like moths to a flame, we just like, were like drawn with our gemaris and we were like standing like this, exactly like this, like these flickering flames and we were all like learning more and more and more. We didn't want to leave. It was Ilam Haba. Mama, if I had Ilam Haba for, for a half an hour of my life, I think it was that. But you're missing it every Friday night because you're running here and you're running, not talking about the people that are here. I'm talking about the people that are not here. And I'm not saying that you're terrible people because you're not here. I understand there's considerations, there's family, and then there are people that are working in, uh, in, in, in Beis Ezra's, and there's, there are people that are, that are doing uh, you know, other things, and there are people that are going to visit their friends and visit their cousins and visit their grandmother. I understand all of that. I get it. And I'm not saying that you have to come every... But why wouldn't you? Why do I have to even sell this? Why isn't it a Dover Pasha that this is your home? Is it something that's so earth-shattering that I'm saying? And it's not something simple. I'm not wasting my breath in order to just say something that you know, is not important. I'm telling it to you because it's vitally important. It's vitally important because do we have a yeshiva? Technically, yes. But it's, it's not really a yeshiva unless the guys are loving the yeshiva and feeling an achdus in the yeshiva and saying, this is where I want to be. And you know what happens when, you, when we make that camaraderie and, and, we, and we have that love and we have that, that, that feeling of warmth and security here and this is where I want to be on, on Shabbos and on Yantif and on Sunday and on Friday and, on, and this, is, this is it, this is my home. You know what happens? There becomes a, a ripple effect. And people in Eretz Yisrael, the, the best guys in Eretz Yisrael, hear about it from us and then they want to come. And then we mamish like build a yeshiva all because of you. You can go to, into a yeshiva that's already done this. But let's do it here. Let's you be the one that's the pioneer. And that you'll be able to look back and say and tell your kids, you know what, Lander College, I, I, made, I made Lander College 2.0. It really began to become, to develop into a world-class yeshiva that like can, can, can go toe-to-toe with any other great yeshiva in the world because we started a Chabura. We came for Shabbos. We came for Yantif. We came to the Tish. We came to the Vads. We came to the Shmuz. We made it our own. 
We could light this yeshiva up like no other yeshiva, but it has to start right here and right now in this room. Make resolves. Make a chaburim. Don't, don't even tell me about it if you don't want. But Laman Hashem, talk to yourselves. What are you doing? Why wouldn't you? You're here. You're here. So make a kishmak. You want a sterile experience? You want it just to be a, a hospital that you come and you do, you do your, your Gemara, you do your college, you get your three credits for Talmud. You get, is that what you want? If that's what you want, then have it. Gesundheit, enjoy. That's not what I want. I wouldn't want that if I was you. I would want to have a beautiful, uh, uh, enjoyable, geschmack experience. Take whatever you learn from Eretz Yisrael in terms of this and, and bring it here. This is what the student government should be, should be doing. This is what, forget the student government, this is what every, every chabura, every room, every RA, every, every single person in this, everybody should be involved in this effort. This is not Dvaram Shalmabakach. This is the difference between having a real yeshiva or, have, or having an imitation type of yeshiva. I don't want a dehydrated, decaffeinated yeshiva. I don't drink decaf coffee. And I don't want to learn yeshiva that's decaf. I want caffeine. I want real coffee. I want real, real love in the yeshiva, real chabura, real feeling of longing. That the last day of this month when we make the barbecue at the end of the year, there are guys that are like crying because they don't want to go home. That's what I want. That's been my dream since day one. And we've had tukufas that it's been much better. And this year is a very good year, but it's not, it gets a, 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 a VG minus. But it doesn't get an E. And it's not your fault. It's not your fault. I wouldn't either want to be in a basement or sitting alone in, on Friday night by myself. The reason why I was able to stay up is because I had a chabura. But you need to develop the chabura. And what am I supposed to do? Pay you, give you safra gift cards to come Shabbos? What do you need? How much money does it take to get guys to... Why does it have to be everything a safra gift card? Isn't it enough that you're learning Tyrus Hashem in your own yeshiva? That you're singing Zmiras together in your own yeshiva, that you're dancing together by Lachadaydi in your own yeshiva. What's missing? This yeshiva could be so gishmak, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it could be, it's gishmak already, but it could be so super gishmak. And you know what? The, the difference between it being gishmak or not. Is not it's layam. It's not I don't have to hire, you know, Benny Friedman to come here tonight and to and to and to stir up there. And that's not what I need. That's not what the yeshiva needs. We need everything everything that we need, every answer to every problem is found in this room. The brain trust and the hearts and the and the, the ruach and the neshama in this room could make the explosive difference to whether or not we're a real yeshiva, or whether we are a yeshiva that gets away with saying that we're yeshiva, but really, you know, we're not. I'm telling you, this is doable. I'm not saying something that's not doable, but it's not going to be doable just because I'm preaching. Because I tried that six weeks ago, I gave a very impassioned schmooz, and there, were, there was an ilam there, but alas, people, you know, flew that Shabbos, there was no one, and then this and that. I think that the main thing that's missing, and I could be wrong, tell me, but I think the main thing that's missing is you. 
And it does re- re- require sometimes a little sacrifice because, yeah, it's easier to go home. I had a long week, college and midterms and this and that. I need to chill. I understand that. And once in a while you should. But come on, does it have to be every single week? Can we stay, can we stay and, and make chaburas here after night seder and in the morning? Look at the daf. The daf is exploding. So join the daf. You could join today. It's like uh, we're in the middle of Tainus. Join. Be a part of it. You'll surprise yourself how, how much you could love the yeshiva, how much you can have a geshmak in the yeshiva. There's so much here, I'm telling you. There's so much in this room. But it's untapped. And I'm trying to tap it. I'm trying to tap all the potential. And it has to come from you. I'm telling you, you have it within you to do great things, but it has to come from you. We could light the yeshiva up. We could make this the most brilliant, most illuminated makam Torah in the world. But we have to have resolve. Hanukkah gives us that milchama, that fighting spirit of let's do it. We could do this. We have this. We can accomplish great things. And if you can accomplish great things here, then when you leave this place, you don't even know what you could do, what you could build, what you could, what you could envision, what you could bring to, to the world. But start it now. Don't wait. Don't put it off even a Shabbos. That's always been my dream. And I think it's a doable dream, but it's not doable if it just stays as a dream in my head. The dreams have to be actualized for them to have relevance. It's Hashem. This Hanukkah should be a Hanukkah that we, we see the Pursume Nisa in the fact that a Yid can never be snuffed out. But it also shows us that we have to light up the Neshamas of other people, other Bnei Taira, other members of our Chabur, other members of the Yeshiva. And to make the Yeshiva itself an Arla Gayim, to make the yeshiva itself a beacon of light that people understand that if you're a Talmud of Lander College for Men, they Spanish a Talmud, that means you're something special. That means you're a Masman, it means you have Avas it means you have Yerushalayim, it means you, you understand Ben Adam Lamakim, and most importantly, that you understand Ben Adam Lachavira. And it could, it could start here, and you don't understand how you start a little fire here and it spreads to this candle and to that candle before you know it. It's Kalabayas Kule Mole Let's try to make that vision into a reality.